That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. They made their way slowly down the lawn, making a shallow trench in the glittering, powdery snow, their socks and the hems of their cloaks soaked and freezing. The Forbidden Forest looked as though it had been enchanted. Each tree smattered with silver, and Hagrid's cabin looked like an iced cake. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section, a podcast in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thanks for being here. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Chapter 11, The Firebolt. Part 1, Visiting Hagrid. Harry's still reeling from all of the information he learned about his own self from all of his teachers in Hogsmeade. Um, He's having a hard time processing the truth about Sirius Black. You know, he was their friend, etc. Ron and Hermione kind of try to talk to him about it. (laughs) He doesn't handle that very well. A little angsty, getting a little sneak peek of book five Harry here. Sort of in a rage, he decides that they're going to go visit Hagrid so he can interrogate Hagrid for not being honest with him about this previously. But when they get to Hagrid's house, Hagrid is having a bad day because he received a letter from the school governors saying that even though he's cleared from the whole Buckbeak, Draco Malfoy debacle, Buckbeak is not absolved of what he did to Draco. So they they want him to come like do a hearing and defend himself. And he's not feeling optimistic about it. So they, instead of interrogating him, shift sort of into comfort mode. And it ends real cheerfully with Hagrid reflecting on his time that he previously spent at Azkaban. Welcome to the restricted section. It's me, your host, Christina. I'm here with my boy, Andrew. Hello. Hello, hello. And our special guest today is Ethan Hewlin, the host of True Stories of a Tryhard podcast. Welcome, Ethan. Thanks for having me, Christina. It's a great, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's our pleasure too. I'm so excited to talk about, well, the Firebolt is the name of the chapter, but we actually don't meet the Firebolt because I cut this chapter in half. Hey, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell people just really briefly about your podcast? Yeah, sure. Um, so around August of 2019, I had um, a thought that there weren't enough voices in the mental health community from male-identifying people, such as myself. So I originally was going to do it with somebody else, but he bailed on me, and I was like, okay, I'll just try and get guests every week. Well... That didn't always work out. So uh, mm-hmm. now it's kind of on an every other week basis. Like I have a guest on one week and the other week is just me. So I just kind of kind of play it by ear. My aim is to try to keep the conversation around mental health as casual as I can because I think it's something that needs to be talked about more and without the stigma around it. So that's just kind of a brief synopsis. You can get whatever podcasts are available, Spotify, Overcast, Apple, etc. I would oh, yeah. encourage you all to go listen to it. Christina was on a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah. We're talking about self-confidence, mm-hmm. so please go check that out. 
Yeah, it's it's a great podcast. I definitely recommend it. You explore some really important topics. Ethan, really, you're going to do a sturdy like that? You come on our show and talk about all these great things that your podcast brings into the world when all we do is make dick jokes and talk about who would have fucked in Hogwarts. That is just rude. Okay, Andrew, I need to let loose. That's the thing. <laughs> this is recess. Exactly. <laughs> Like, I have to get into a certain headspace, and this is just, like, pure unadulterated Ethan right now. (laughs) Wow. Unadulterated is certainly a good word to describe this podcast. (laughs) Um, I remember I learned that word from um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because Jeffrey says something about pure unadulterated funk. And I was, like, (laughs) 11 years old, and I was like, what does that word mean? Now all I can think is, man, I hope that's an album I can listen to. Pure, <laughs> unadulterated funk sounds right. like, sounds like a, a great banger. album. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we're going to talk about Chapter 11 of Prisoner of Azkaban, The Firebolt, today. But before we get started, I'm going to do what I think is going to become a recurring segment on this show, which is Theory Time with Mots. <laughs> Mots Thoughts. Mots Thoughts! I love this so much. Keep oh that. my god, we need theme music. <laughs> I don't know. I think we should just do like the Sega theme, but with Mott's thoughts, like Mott's thoughts. <laughs> just, just snag that out of there, Christina. There you go. Yeah, just yeah. copy paste it every time. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read from an email that Mott sent me about bog arts. So I, I'm, I'm being Mott's now. Oh. I just re-listened to the episode on the chapter Chamber of Secrets in the book, well, Chamber of Secrets. That would make sense. In that episode, Haley brought up the idea that Bogarts are born from fear. I think this makes a lot of sense, especially considering the circumstances of another Bogart we meet. In book five, at number 12 Grimal Place, we meet the Bogart that turns into all of Molly's loved ones dead, which this is me, Christina. Now, I think that's also what my Bogart would be, honestly, because a Bogart can't just be a confused high person at a grocery store. you know. (laughs) Wait, Christina, out of all the things in the world to be afraid of... A confused high person at a grocery store? That's your oh, biggest clear- fear? She's the no, person. No, I'm the confused high <laughs> oh, person. You're the, oh. it's, it's her. It's her confused and high at the grocery store. <laughs> and oh, specifically, she can see everyone behind her that totally knows she's still. <laughs> All the moms are just glaring at me. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be Mots again. Okay. This was a few months, the Molly's Bogart, this was a few months after Lord Voldemort's return, and war could break out at any time at that point. Whether it's a generally high level of fear in the house or Molly's fear specifically, I think it would make sense that that's how that Bogart came to be. Also, if this is true, are Bogarts kind of just reverse poltergeists? In short stories from Hogwarts of power, politics, and pesky poltergeists, Man, Voldemort sure loves her alliterations. It says that poltergeists are often generated, Andrew, you might like this, in places with a lot of children and teenagers, because you previously said that you thought that poltergeists were children. So that is where you got that from. That is exactly where I got that from. Places with a lot of children and teenagers, like, you know, schools, because of the amount of mischief. Peeves is the most notorious poltergeist in Britain and is basically impossible to get rid of because of the continuous existence of mischief at Hogwarts. So, back to Bogarts, Lupin says in book three that what really kills a Bogart is laughter. And while I don't necessarily think that what Lupin said was wrong, I think what kills a Bogart is technically just a general lack of fear. Poltergeists are generated by and continue to exist because of mischief. Bogarts, on the other hand, fear. I think this makes sense. So they're like 
two halves of the same coin. And I wonder what would happen. This is me talking now. There are two halves of the, that, two halves of the same coin. That's a, that's a Christina thought. And I wonder what would happen if two of them fought. <laughs> so you have in the blue corner, weighing in at absolutely nothing. <laughs> Peeves the poltergeist. <laughs> And he's upside down farting in your direction. <laughs> that makes you wonder, has Peeves seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Just because... <laughs> farting because he your... farts in people's general direction. Yes. <laughs> Though in Peeves' time, that would have been relatively recent. So Yeah, that's true. I really love this theory. And I think that... It, uh, I don't To answer your question, I don't think they would fight. Because I think... It, if I'm understanding what Mott's saying correctly, and I, if I do, then I agree with it. This is a being that doesn't exist to kill. It's not trying to like actively kill you or really even engage with you. It's just trying to keep the fear that it feeds on. So actually damaging anything is completely counterproductive because if you mm-hmm. hurt the thing, then it stops producing fear. And if you start the pain, then the fear of the pain is not there, if that makes sense. So it's like a whole other dimension. Like, what can it do to me is always way worse than, like, what it actually does. Unless it's, like, something, you know, extraordinary. No, I get what you're um, saying, though. In that same vein, poltergeists kind of do the same thing. They annoy, they piss off, they they, they treat you poorly. verb. Yeah, but they yeah. don't They don't actually attack you. Like, they, we right. don't really have instances until the Battle of Hogwarts, and even then it's not like he's it's stabbing like, motherfuckers, you know? No, he no. doesn't, like, <laughs> cause physical pain. He just Wait, causes I want to see that. <laughs> I know, right? Steve, or Peeves just, like, flying up and shanking Lucius Malfoy in the back. God damn it, Andrew, you almost said Steve. I don't know why that's so funny to me. What if his name was Steve? Steve the Poltergeist. Hey, I'm Steve. I, uh, Hello, I am Steve the Poltergeist, and I will stab a bitch. <laughs> I have and will in the future stab a bitch. This is not a threat. This is a promise. I don't know who it's going to be, but I'm going to stab a bitch. Every first year gets warned, at least one of you will be stabbed by Steve at some point in your time at Hogwarts. Oh my god, it's a rite of passage. <laughs> oh also, anyone else like get this mental image of a fraternity that keeps a bog art in a closet just so that they can be as fucked up as to see what everyone's real deepest fears are. That sounds like something I would have gone through at like boy scout camp because like hazing. Yes. Oh boy. We can, we can get into hazing later. Oh my God. Okay. Wait, but I'm still in the middle of Mott's email. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm at the end. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Um, Mott's goes on to say one more thing. Imagine the chapter about the Bogart, right? Lupin's dope class about the Bogart. But instead of Lupin teaching them, it's Lockhart. (laughs) I wonder what... Is Lockhart's biggest fear people not knowing who he is? I think his biggest fear is just his damn self. It's no one paying attention to him. There it is. But, like, how does a Bogart act that out? See, this is what I mean when adults, adult Bogarts need to be full improv troops in order to, like, act out these scenarios. (laughs) I I think what it would probably, and this is kind of depressing, but I think what it would probably be is someone, probably his mother, and Mm -hmm. he would try and call out naturally to his mother, and she just would not respond. Every time he tried to get closer to like touch her on the shoulder, she gets just far enough away. Like that oh, would be Lockhart's Bogart is the one person he ever cared about. Or even better, she acts like he's a complete stranger and it's like, right. why are you touching me? Yeah, who are you? Andrew, what you just described is what happens when I try to kiss my cat on the face because they like... <laughs> 
they like will go they'll go back and i'll like they'll pull their head back and i'll make up that difference i'll like lean forward more but they will like become part of the couch before they let me kiss them they're like that that reminds me um my girlfriend's old roommate hates being touched she just hates it so like one time like i tried to like tap her on the shoulder to get her attention and then once she registered that i was touching her she like almost slapped me because she just hates being <laughs> Reflex. that much. Wow. Mm. Yep, I think Gil- Gilderoy Lockhart's mom bitch slapping him when he tries to show affection is appropriate. How- and do you guys see that my cat heard me talking about him and is acting out now? His head just looked around one of those turrets and was like, okay, okay. Oh, I, I see how Yeah, his is. cat tower has turrets. <laughs> I mean, it kind of... They are. Yeah. Yeah. They are. They elevate maybe. them. They're either turrets Battle or battlements. I don't know which one they are, but they're one or the other. Okay, and then we have a classic Mott's email sign-off. I hope you all have a great day. I have the honor to be your obedient servant, M.Fur. Fantastic. Sir? Hello, Christina's cat. Dante. Can I help you? Sir? Sir? (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, sir? (laughs) I only call people sir when I'm mad at them. Oh, I know. I've heard it two (laughs) times in my life that I can remember. All the others have been blocked out. Just oh my kidding. god! Just I was like, "What are you talking about?" You're like, no, I still hang out with you. I never called you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we get into the chapter, Ethan, will you tell us a little bit about your very hairy history? Oh, absolutely. So, um, like a lot of things that I got into when I was younger, uh, my cousin Liam was responsible for getting me into it. Um, he and I were basically like brothers when we were younger because uh, we would go hang out at my grandma's house every Sunday after church and we would just get into so many things like he introduced me to like Marvel and DC and Harry Potter and a bunch of other things you have a lot to thank him for yeah I do um (laughs) and I I I do that um (laughs) I do and I do (laughs) yeah but Liam was the first person that I met who was really into Harry Potter and he was telling me about and I was like whoa that sounds so cool I like magic and there's a kid who does magic that's, that's, like, my age. And, like, the first memory I have of Harry Potter is watching the Goblet of Fire on ABC Family whenever they did, like, their Harry Potter weekends. Like, seven times a year. Right. <laughs> and twice on Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> twice on Christmas, I believe it. That's one of the first memories I have. And then I eventually, like, checked out... I checked them out from, like, my school library in elementary school, even though they were meant for, like, sixth graders, and I was, like, in third grade. Aww. So, and eventually I have, I don't have my books with me, otherwise that's what I would use, um, because, you know, college. Um, but I have, like, the paperback set of Harry Potter that comes in, like, the big box with Harry, Ron, Hermione writing the Gringotts dragon on it. Uh, Do you know what I'm mm. talking about? The British yes. cover. Yes. Or no, that's the sixth cover, right? Yeah. Well, that's what the, that's what's on the yeah. box. But the others... Um, Why did I say six? It's the seven. I, I'm... Ignore me. Go on. <laughs> Crushed it. If I find a picture, I'll send it over. But um, yeah. those are at... Those are probably at my mom's house. So. And then I got really, really into it in the following years. I was act- I was Harry Potter uh, for Halloween 2010, I believe. Nice. Um, and my cousin was... My cousin Liam was Ron. Because he's a ginger. And... My cousin Maya was Hermione, and she got she's a blonde. But she got like a brown wig, and she like mm-hmm. brushed it so it'd be like really bushy. Stock wigs just don't come bushy enough. Apparently <laughs> not. 
apparently not bushy enough. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, and there are there's documentation of me in my Harry Potter costume, and my my grandpa is behind me, and he's tying my tie behind my neck because I didn't know how to do it at ten years Aww. old. <laughs> That's so cute. I love that. So what um what Hogwarts house are you? I am a Ravenclaw, but I think there's a non-zero amount of Hufflepuff in me. Mm-hmm. I see you're wearing a waterbending shirt right now, and I, I think that there, there's some overlap um, of, like, waterbenders and, like, Hufflepuffs, you know? Sure, yeah. So what makes you feel like, like a Ravenclaw slash non-zero Hufflepuff? So the Ravenclaw part is mostly because... Um, I just love learning things, like, no matter what it is, I just like learning things, even mm-hmm. if it's about, like, things that quote-unquote aren't important, just things that I'm interested in, whether it's uh, the fandom that I'm involved with, or, like, more recently, like, when I started my podcast, like, psychology, or um, even, like, what I'm doing my degree for, which is computer science. So that's awesome. that's pretty Ravenclaw of me to be a computer science major. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Hufflepuff comes from, like, being raised in an environment that was very welcoming and, like, loving and, like, I love hugs. And I just think that's a very Hufflepuff thing. Uh, yeah. so. <laughs> awesome. I love it. But as a Ravenclaw, you can appreciate hugs, too, because, I mean, like, the science shows us that you get a release of endorphins when you hug someone that you love. So, like, obviously, as you can appreciate it from that side, right? <laughs> right. Hufflepuffs <laughs> don't get to claim hugs. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Andrew, do you have something you want to share with the class? <laughs> I just like hugs. Andrew is an incredibly good hugger, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Above average hug skills, for sure. I have also been told that. And once this pandemic's over, I might get to do it again. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I would love to hug people that don't live with me again. The pandemic ends and you're just like, wait, I forgot how to hug. No! <laughs> like the guy in that episode of Twilight who's, uh, or Twilight Zone whose glasses break. I'm just sitting down with my arms trying to like, oh, oh, oh. It's over, but I can't do it. This, this is pretty on brand, where it's like the scene, the Goblet of Fire, where Harry's trapped behind the Grim Reaper in the graveyard, and Voldemort says, I can touch you now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm going to make that meme now and save it for the day when COVID's gone forever. <laughs> Put it on your uh, desktop, post-COVID meme. So Just I don't meme. forget about it. Perfect. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the chapter a little bit. Sure. This, I keep being like, sorry, guest, for bringing you on for a depressing chapter, but like sometimes these books are just depressing for the whole thing. So, like, some people are going to have to come on for the whole book five, okay? Hey, if you, if you want me back for book five, we can, <laughs> we can go down this depressing road even All right. farther. <laughs> the last chapter ended with Harry, like, in the three broomsticks, he just learned the truth about Sirius Black. You know, he he was their friend. I'm going to stop screaming it. Can, can we put heavy scare quotes around truth there, please? Why do, why do people say scare quotes? Is that a thing? What does that mean? I don't know what that means. I always thought it was air quotes. It's Well, air quotes is just saying something like flippantly, I guess, like, you know, technically type speaking. Scare quotes, I've usually heard when people are trying to emphasize something that's not exactly accurate. Oh, okay. Like, trying to scare you with it when it's not quite true. Because, like, normally you would do air quotes if it's, like, a 
The example on dictionary.com is global warming. (laughs) Like putting it in scare quotes, like implies that maybe it's not real. So it is like air quotes, but it's like if air quotes are like indicating sarcasm, scare quotes are almost like the opposite of that. What's the opposite of sarcasm? Um, Fear. (laughs) Genuine fear. (laughs) Actually, that's a good question. What is the opposite of sarcasm? Well, then I'm like a living contradiction because... um, I have anxiety, but my I speak fluent sarcasm. So here we are. <laughs> I think genuinely the opposite of sarcasm would be like earnestness, you know? Yeah, yeah. sure. Well, it actually kind of makes sense that, because sarcasm is usually kind of a coping mechanism for a lot of us. It's a way that we can oh, like, yeah. you know, ha this isn't that serious. <laughs> I'm crying <laughs> on the inside every night. And on Smile the through the pain. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> That was Christina saying it's going to be one of them episodes. It's going to be one of them episodes. I don't think we've ever had more male-identifying people than female-identifying people on mm-hmm. a on an episode before. So the energy is a little different today. <laughs> I'm here for it, though. So the last... I don't even remember if I said this. The Oh, yeah, because you said the truth in scare quotes. Right. So that is, an, that is not an appropriate use it's of not. scare quotes. It's Damn. air quotes. It would just be air quotes. The Either truth way. here. that You can hear my air quotes now. The truth there about Sirius Black. <laughs> this chapter starts with Harry just like mindlessly walking in a haze from mm-hmm. Honeydukes through the secret tunnel. Break for secret tunnel song. Secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. Back to Hogwarts. And his mind is like racing. It's like question after question after question. And like, I think we've all been in that situation where some crazy shit just happened to you and you're like alone in your car or something. And it's like, oh my God, my brain. Yeah. Been there. It's easy to think that Harry is being incredibly, like maybe even overly angry. But it you got to remember that part of at least the way that I read it from like personal experience is that he's not just angry at Sirius. He's at probably just as if not more angry at an actuality with people not telling him. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Total- and like, I get that completely. Yeah, I feel that like I've I've had many situations where people have tried to not tell me something thinking that it would like be better for me. And oh, there's yeah. nothing that makes you feel like more pure, unadulterated hatred. There's an old expression when uh, they describe Georgia versus Florida, which is a good, a good old fashioned clean hate, and that's kind of like the feeling that you get when someone just does like that. so self righteous. Yeah. yeah, just like oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that all sh- children of divorce can probably identify with the concept of people t- hiding things from you because they think it's better for you. Yeah, listeners, you can't see it, but I'm waving because that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's me also. Do, do y'all want to hear my favorite personal example of this? Is it traumatizing and depressing? It's not traumatizing for anyone but me because I had to experience it. (laughs) Is that better Um, or worse? Like, this is not going, this should not trigger anyone. Okay, he wants to share, so go ahead and share. Uh, Between sixth grade and, or fifth grade and sixth grade, no, no, excuse me, eighth grade and ninth grade, uh, I chose to take a foreign language, right? And I wanted to take French. My best friend took French. I thought it was a cool language. I thought it would make me into like a very uh, (laughs) desirable guy to be able to speak French. I don't know why, but I thought it would be cool. So I sign up for French. The day before school starts, we go to that meeting, you know, where they give you your schedule and they go over the classes and all that stuff and you pay your fees. I go to that meeting with my mom. They hand me my schedule and it says that I have Latin on it. And I go, "Uh, this is wrong. I'm supposed to be taking French. And my mom just goes, oh, no, 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 it's right. 
And I was like, no, th- this isn't right. Like, I'm supposed to be taking French. And she's like, we'll talk about it later. Oh, my oh, God. wow. My parents had called the school over the summer and changed my request from uh, French to Latin. Why? And then, because they... This is an amazing story. So their their thought process was with the SATs and the analogy section that it would benefit me more to have to suffer through it and take Latin than it would to take French. Here's the irony. They forgot. Well, not the this isn't the irony. Uh, they forgot to tell me that they did it. And then they realized like a couple of days beforehand that they had forgotten to tell me. And they decided the best course of action was to just let me hear the news. And then... <laughs> I would be able to process it in public and come home and not be as mad about it. Of course, this didn't work at all. The irony of the story is that I graduated in 2008 from high school. Okay. In 2006, the year before I took the SATs, they dropped the analogy section and they put in the writing section. So not only did I have my GPA lowered because I was not good at Latin, but on top of it, I didn't even get to use it for the SATs. Well, just to be clear, you probably wouldn't have been better at French because it's a nonsense language. But this is the problem with the public school system is parents will choose a dead language to help you pass a test rather than let you choose the Mm -hmm. living, vibrant language of your heart's content that you could maybe literally speak to another human someday. I have the opposite situation, actually. I was going to take German in high school. German is fun. And then my mom was like, Ethan, you're never going to use German. And I was like, but I want to do that. And she was like, you're going to take Spanish. And I'm like, okay. So I did it. And, um, well, I took four years of Spanish. And I went to Peru for two weeks after I graduated from high school. So that was a lot of fun. Damn, that is like the complete opposite. Right, opposite like adult. I said, the opposite situation. <laughs> so in mine, an adult changes it for me, then realizes like, oh no, we didn't tell him. Well, he's going to learn it eventually. Let's just wait for him to get mad. In your oh situation, God. they're like, this is probably a good idea and a decision you should make. And you did. And it did benefit you. That's yeah, I'm, beautiful. I'm also, a mi- I'm also a Midwest boy, so I took the ACT instead of the SAT. So I don't um. know. Um, for the record, English is a Germanic language, so letting your child learn German will help them understand English better. I would argue more so than Latin, grammatically. I think, well, whatever. I'm getting into a rant because I am passionate about language. The the real truth, Christina, is that they wanted me to go to law school eventually, and so their thought process was if I go ahead and learn Latin now, then by the time that I'm actually in law school, I'll still remember all that stuff, which was Equally absurd of a thought. (laughs) Bold of them to assume you would remember that. (laughs) To assume I would go to law school. (laughs) And like any field that you enter, you have to learn the jargon anyway. And most most industry jargon is Latin based anyway. So whatever, I'm done. Okay, we're Harry's having a hard time. He's not having a rage walk. (laughs) Right. The walk of rage. Walk of rage. (laughs) It's the opposite of the walk of shame. So Ron and Hermione are I love when Ron and Hermione get to become allies because Harry's having a hard time. Mm-hmm. 
So Ron and Hermione are like full mom and dad mode in this chapter. And they're like monitoring Harry closely. They're mm-hmm. like, how are we feeling? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of scared to talk to him about anything. He's evidently upset. After dinner, Harry like storms upstairs to get the, up to his dormitory, to get the photo album that Hagrid made for him of his parents in Sorcerer's Stone. And he is like tearing through it. And he finds his parents' wedding picture featuring one serious black as the best man and he's just staring at him so hard and his thoughts are spiraling 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 this is another move that i i really can't identify with which is that i'm already mad i'm going to go look at something that i know will make me more mad oh it's like listening to a sad song when you're heartbroken yes okay it's like as a, as a person who could easily turn into a rageaholic at any point in my life, if I'm not careful, I completely understand the drive to be like, not only am I pissed off, but I'm happy I'm pissed off because now I get to be pissed off. So let's find things to be more pissed off about. Andrew, Whew. do you wake up and choose violence? <laughs> No, I don't know if you've ever noticed, Andrew, but I bring my beers upstairs in a little lunchbox whenever we record because I want them to stay cold. That's fantastic. (laughs) To answer your question, I don't wake up and choose violence. I actively wake up and choose to try and not give in to violence. Right. Okay. Okay. And don't get the wrong idea, listeners. I'm not like a rageaholic or anything. Like I said, I'm not a rageaholic. But as Christina will attest to, when, when I do channel my anger, it is... You're a passionate person. (laughs) That's your secret. You're always angry. That kind of sounds like me, actually. I think that for, like, our generation, if you're not always a little bit angry, you're not paying attention. I mean, y'all are, like, a decade older than me. Our our generation, Ethan, okay? okay. Like, we're all young, vibrant (laughs) college students, okay? Um, A decade! Okay, sorry. Um, See what you just did? We're all in this together. Okay. I love to take We're a all bath. In this together. <laughs> Sorry. I like how we both did musical references. That's fun. I love when people do musical references, but they're different for each other. Like, I love it so much. I also love when you start singing a song and then your friend believes that they're picking up the song, but they're like accidentally on a different song because you're a bad singer. Maybe <laughs> that's, that's just me. That's fantastic. I, was say, I think that might be a personal experience. Not <laughs> no, no, it's not just Christina. I've been yes. there too. <laughs> um, yeah. So Harry's just really simmering. It's like when you have a really good day of weightlifting at the gym and the next day Every time you move, you're like, yeah, that hurts. But you love the hurt. It's like, I did that. (laughs) That reminds me of a really, really old YouTube video that I watched from Ryan Higa. I don't remember what it was. It was one of his, like, how to be insert thing here videos. Are y'all familiar with that? Mm Mm-mm. Okay. This was, like, 2011. And Ryan Higa came out with this video called How to Be Ninja, which is the first one that I remember watching. And we all could stand to learn. <laughs> right. And the point of it is it's like a QVC ad for a DVD for how to be a ninja, but like <laughs> comedically. Yeah, look it up on YouTube. It has like hundreds of millions of views. I'll link it in the show notes. I'm imagining like a, re- a Rex Quando type uh, situation yeah, here. Yeah, that's kind of what's happening here. And like one of them is like. You know, like, yeah, train yourself. And one of the characters in the sketch is like, it hurts so good. 
That's mm-hmm. kind of that's what came to mind when yeah, Christina said exactly. that. Yep. So Harry's just like wallowing in hatred, and um, he pulls the curtains so that no one can see him having a rage, which is fair. I'm glad they have curtains for privacy. <laughs> Let's be honest; that boys' dorm would be a very awkward place if they didn't have curtains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Okay, this is an adult podcast, right? Of course, I'm on it. <laughs> you fucking bet. <laughs> All right, so can you just imagine this is like the biggest circle jerk of all time in the boys' dormitory of Gryffindor Tower if they had no curtains. Because it's shaped no like curtains. a circle. Yes. <laughs> like, it's, they're teenage boys trapped in the same room. What mm-hmm. else are they going to do? There's almost definitely like a masturbation spell out there. And I will rest at nothing until I find it. Christina, you may not want to go there. (laughs) (laughs) There is undoubtedly a black market book that you can find in Nocturne Alley. In the restricted section, maybe? Maybe in the restricted... No, no, they wouldn't even... This would not be in the Hogwarts. Wait until you hear the book. It's not going to be in the Hogwarts library. It's the name of the podcast. It uh, There is definitely a book called something along the lines of The Untold Horrors as Seen by the uh, House Elves of Hogwarts. Oh, no. Of just, like, the awful things that they've walked into in dorms. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, like, on the back shelf at Borgen and Burke's, just chilling (laughs) out. Well, because think about it. A self-published memoir. (laughs) Like, they don't even, they don't even have, like, anti, uh, or whatchamacallit, um, abstinence only sex ed. They have no sex ed. Right. So it's just, like, incredibly horny teenagers away from their families just like locked in rooms with each other with nothing to go on. It is not okay. They need help. And the boys can't get into the girls' dormitory, but the girls can get into the boys' dormitory. And yes, let me tell you, there's definitely a window of time where the girls are way hornier than the boys. I don't know how big that window would be, but <laughs> it's almost definitely a possibility. It's a big window to climb on through into the dormitory. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> So Ron comes in, Harry pretends to be asleep. I get it. It's like, don't even talk to me right now. I'm literally so mad I can't speak. I've definitely had to say this to a friend before. Like, I'm mad right now and it's not at you. But if you keep talking to me, I'm going to be mad. Like, I'm going to be mean to you. You have to shut up right now. I'm just telling you. (laughs) And has anyone ever been in that mood where, like, especially if if you find something incredibly awful. And I think, honestly, Behind the Bastards has put me into this mood before. Where, like, you're stewing on something all day long, and then you're talking to someone, and you come up with, like, the worst non-sequitur ever to bring it up. So, they're like, you know, I was waiting in line the other day, and I'll tell you, it's just annoying when you have to wait more than five minutes. And you're like, I know, right? And, like, when the Catholic Church did all that to those kids, like... And you just, like, you jump from A to, like, yeah. double G out of nowhere. Right. And they're like, uh, yeah, that that's bad. I don't want to talk about that at all. We're in public, and that's awful. That's, I mean, yeah. There are definitely, <laughs> there's definitely a way to approach things. That's not it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad boob job from A to double G. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're going to be feeling it after that one. Sure. <laughs> I was thinking more like Rose in a sports venue, but yeah, you know, boob job, that works too. <laughs> no, Christina and I were in the exact same headspace. <laughs> well, it's just that you said from A to double G, which I'm pretty sure the largest bra size I've ever heard in my life is double G. So it's like you pretty much got oh, the, whole, the whole birth there. 
Well, that was completely unintentional, but... <laughs> okay, so I, I wrote down this one quote. A hatred such as he had never known before was coursing through Harry like poison. Yeah. Yeah. Been there on more occasions than I would like to admit. <laughs> if you're the fans that I know and love, I know at least one of you was sitting there thinking of Palpatine sitting behind Harry going, yes, feel the hate, feed the yes. hate. Yes, <laughs> yes, Andrew. I love that you connected those dots and I didn't because that's just fantastic. <laughs> that's pretty Let good. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> it's like, Harry, you're looking kind of old and... Gross! You're looking kind of sithy. No, no, it's like um, it's like that scene in SpongeBob where he's talking to himself over and over again, and then Patrick walks in. And he's like SpongeBob, and then he's like, uh, I forgot where I was going with that, but like SpongeBob is basically going insane. Like Ron is is Patrick in this situation, and Harry just <laughs> is Harry it the Sponge- one where SpongeBob broke his butt? No, it's the one where like Mr. Krabs like fired him, and like SpongeBob's ranting about how he basically just threw him out. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we really need to revisit SpongeBob. It's going to make a really bad joke there and say, Ethan, you do the best impersonation of Marshall's dad from How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> I have never seen one episode of How I Met Your Mother. It, yeah, me neither. The actor that plays his dad is the actor that played Patrick. Oh. What? Really? <laughs> yeah, it took me wow. forever to realize. So, it, so it's like someone doing an Archer impression, and you're like, wow, that's a great Bob's Burgers impression. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great H. John Benjamin impersonation. Um, there's A1. that one bit in Family Guy where the guy with the video star guy, whatever his name is, is like, this is my impression of Bob from Bob's Burgers. This is my impression of Archer from Archer. Because <laughs> it's all the same fucking guy. This is my impression of the main titular character from H. John Benjamin has a van. <laughs> is that a show? That okay. That's we're yeah, not that's doing gonna be, plugs. That's going to be my plug. Plugs. Oh my god! H. John Benjamin has a van. That I is one of the most hysteric. Like the last episode of that show. Oh my god! There's a series, a scene in the show where John Benjamin and his producer go down to the border, and they're doing like this this thing on the border, and. He gets his producer, I forget why, but he gets this producer to hand him his passport, right? Mm-hmm. So the producer hands their passport to H. John Benjamin. And then mm-hmm. H. John Benjamin pushes him over the border. And he like laughs like, <laughs> and he goes to walk back and guards stand up and are like, no, you can't do that. We need to see identification. Oh, and boy. so he like forces him to resettle and restart his life in Mexico. And then he oh, meets him no. in Mexico like 10 years later and oh, no. gets him so down to the border. Show. With, I don't know why uh, I thought it was like a real show. No, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's, I thought that was like, like, I was like, wait, like he a, did this? <laughs> yeah, no, he's supposed to be like a reporter. And so he, but he ends oh, up doing oh, that okay. to like, he ends up doing that with him on the borders of Venezuela and then on the border of like Guatemala, like all the, he goes all the way fucking down, just Just, constantly pushing him over the border. (laughs) It sounds so stupid. I've never laughed so hard with that episode killed me. Anyway, a hatred such as he has never known before was coursing through Harry like poison. That's where we left off. (laughs) Oh boy. We are not getting anywhere tonight. (laughs) So the, that was well done. You can tell I do this frequently. Mm -hmm. Come on, Andrew. You can do it. So one thing, this is the dream section, right? Where he like has the whole dream about, uh, Mm -hmm. it's not a dream. I thought it was him just like daydream. Like, like it's like a fake dream. 
or like a daydream would be a, like a fantasy almost of him like yeah, imagining yeah. what this scene would have been like. And the mm-hmm. thought that kept coming into my head when reading it is that scene probably did happen, but it was Wormtail, not serious. Oh because yeah. Everything mm-hmm. that totally. he says, it doesn't have anything that denotes Wormtail or serious. So it was just like, I was reading and I was like, damn Harry, you're right, but you're wrong, but you're right. 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 Have you ever seen this? Like in a movie, I, I like I can't think of a specific example, but have you ever seen an, in TV or movie where like you think something is going one way the whole time and then they like rewind it and it's like the epiphany moment where it's like, no, it was this way the whole time. Knives out. Yes. Knives out. That's a good example. <laughs> oh, have I seen that movie? It's what worth your like? time if you haven't. It's fantastic. I think I have. Oh no, I haven't. I watch. I always get it confused with Ready or Not, which came out I think the same year, and it's like the commercials were similar. Okay, well, I will. I, I do want to watch that. Uh, I believe the classic example for what you're describing would be Planet of the Apes. Yes, the scene where they see the Statue of Liberty. Yep. They oh, okay. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You destroyed it all, you damn filthy apes! <laughs> you're like, oh my god, the context was different the yeah, whole time. He was on Earth the whole or, time. Honestly, for those, I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler, um, but for those who have seen Arrival, that's kind of how it is at the end, where it's like, oh my god, this whole movie wasn't even about what I thought it was, and it shows you like a montage of how wrong you were. <laughs> um, yeah. So many accidental plugs in this episode. <laughs> it's a time. It's a time. <laughs> so the next morning, they wake up. Well, the next, I should say, like mid-afternoon. Harry goes down to the common room where it's like just Ron and Hermione and he like literally forgot that everyone was going home today for Christmas. Um, Hermione's making the most of it by spreading her homework over three tables. She's conquering mm-hmm. the common room. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry looks like shit because he didn't sleep because he was doing all these weird daydreams. Ron and Hermione still in full mom and dad mode. They keep yeah. telling him he looks like shit. <laughs> okay, so I thought the movies were, like, really accentuating how hungry Ron is all the time. And then I read the line, a common room that was completely empty, except Ron, who's eating a peppermint toad and massaging his stomach. (laughs) True. And, like... like, I I think that the difference is that in the movie, one of Ron's only character traits, one of his, like, two uh, character traits is that he likes to eat a lot. And in the book, it's, like, a fun detail about a well-developed character. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so maybe I was right. Yeah, you for sure are right. Um, he, but boy loves to eat. So Ron and Hermione are like, "Hey, bud. <laughs> um, looks like you had a rough night. Just want to like check in. How are we feeling today?" They ask him, um, to please not go looking for Sirius Black. And Ron and Hermione kind of do this together. I, I kind of feel like this isn't a Ron vibe because this no. whole book so far, he's been like, fuck it. Why would Sirius Black attack Harry if we're around? Like, don't even worry about that guy. Do we think Hermione just like had like a very long conversation with him and was like, you simply probably, must. Probably. And I think Hermione is that friend who like is really, really good at reading other people and is like, this man needs an intervention and we're the yeah. ones who are going to give it to him. Yeah. yeah. And like, whether he wants it or not, Harry is going to get an intervention, whether it's from Hermione or from Hermione and Ron. Yeah. But she wants Ron to do it with her because she thinks it'll mean more. I mean, it's true. Yeah. I, I could also totally see a situation where like Dumbledore being 
the old grandpa that he is sitting at the table and like angling the topics in a way that that would get the message across to Hermione on some level like you know I know that no one's here in the castle now except for you all which means everyone will be watching you it would be a horrible time for you to go and go across gallivanting over the grounds that's my new Dumbledore, Dumbledore voice. So That's my new Dumbledore, Dumbledore reminds voice. me of something, and I can't recall what. But it's oh. so familiar. It's like it's like Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, it's like Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> it was a drive-by fruiting. <laughs> Robin, can I just can I just get an edit of Robin Williams as Dumbledore? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been hilarious and like not that far off. I mean. Uh, to be fair, you know, I mean, Robin Williams probably showed up for a pride parade or two in his life. Oh, yeah. That's the... Vi- I mean, have you seen the birdcage? That's to this day yeah, the gayest I've, movie I've, I've ever seen, seen in my life. Cage. That's what led me to that conclusion. <laughs> God, I fucking love them. There's no character I love more in the world than their cook, housekeeper, man, whatever. I don't Hank even Azaria. know his role. Hank he's Azaria a- playing... Um, oh, shit. What is the character's name? I don't remember, but Who? he's just like so flamboyant. I love. He's him the so one that much. gives him the parent tablets. Oh. Are you giving my husband drugs? No, silly. <laughs> it's just aspirin. I just scratch off the A and the S. <laughs> Which is great because Hank Azaria actually said in an interview that he was playing his grandmother when he did that. So that's oh my just god, like, yeah, that's fantastic. It, it, I, I agree with you, Christina. But my favorite character of all time is Nathan Lane playing the most extraordinarily flamboyant gay man like the world could really? ever possibly. Just- or really just playing Nathan Lane, like, being yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's I just Nathan Lane that, being Nathan Lane, let's yeah, be honest I, I fucking love that His character that in that is, like, so much of a caricature that it's, like, circled back to being, like, a good character. Right, it goes right. past offensive to being funny again. Like, yeah. Right, yep. like, it's, it's like going around the world and ending up back in the same place where you right, started. Right, yes, exactly. So... Harry responds very dramatically to them asking him to please don't go murder a man who for sure is going to murder you. He he doesn't want to hear that. He refuses to agree to anything. Hermione's kind of like in tears because he's yeah. being so resistant to kind of like sound logic right now, which I'm sure is really frustrating for her. And yeah. what gets him going even he's kind he's spiraling again. Like I, he's already spiraled three times in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And what really sets him off is him realizing that Malfoy knew all along. Yep. About Sirius Black being his godfather. Well, I'm, I, I wanted to bring up here that what this really read like to me is what happens when people get cyberbullied. Where mm, they're yeah, constantly sure. goaded on and like, for example, when people say that they want to harm themselves and there are incredibly hateful people out there that will say like, do it, you won't, you know, horrible shit like that. And yeah. that's kind of what it reminded me of is Draco knows that the worst thing that Harry could possibly do would be to go looking for who they both think is a mass, like incredibly powerful killer, right? Yeah. yeah. And he's sitting there and he's like... Yeah, you know, I wouldn't let anyone do that to me. Like, all he's doing is just trying to fuck up Harry. And it's not in, like, an innocent teasing way. This is the, this is kind of, like, where he goes from being a racist, bigoted person to, like, a racist, bigoted, actively 
destructive. Yeah, he's not yeah. just like a little kid bully. This is getting into like adult bullying. Yeah, right, right. It's interesting because in a way, even though what he's been saying for two books or three books now almost is uh, like horror, like I said, racist, bigoted stuff. There's something, there's almost like an innocence to it before this where it just seems like a kid that was brought up in a horrible household. Yeah, he's just parroting yeah. what his parents thought right. so far. And yeah, this, is, sure. this is like that point to me at least where like on this reread, I'm this is the point. This is the point no, that Draco honestly, has gone from like a a willing participant that's parroting bad things to an actively destructive force. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely similarities between Draco Malfoy being like, if it were me, I'd want to kill that guy. Mm-hmm. And the Marauders being like, hey, Snape, you know, if you go push this button on the Whomping Willow, there's a secret passage that leads somewhere cool. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, this is a hot take, right? Okay, I'm ready. The Marauders are not everything people think they are. Oh, they're The awful. Marauders are terrible people. Okay, <laughs> right. Especially, I've, I've never especially James, James Potter. I will throw James, James Potter under the bus every mm-hmm. single time. Yeah. Because Harry's all like, oh, my father was a great man. No. No. Your father was a bully yeah, to Snape. I, <laughs> I definitely think that, like, I think that Lupin was trying his best Right. I think that James Potter was genuinely a dick. I think that Sirius Black was acting like a dick because he had he had a troubled past. You know, I think that James Potter would have developed into a kind of douchey adult. And I think Sirius Black develops into like a pretty good adult. I think he yeah. probably still, still would have without the 12 years in Azkaban. Um, yeah, for sure. No, they're assholes. But also Snape's an asshole too. So it's like, wow, they're right. all assholes. Right. And like, it's things like this, like this specific incidents that really make me upset with people who think Dramione could ever happen. Absolutely. I think it's, I think the dreary thing's really fun because they both dish it at each other. You know, they pretty yeah. consistently are obsessed with each other and bullying each other. But the Dramione stuff is very alarming. Well, the, the Draco Harry, like you said, it's almost more of like uh, that classic meme with uh, Mike Tyson, now Kith. It's like that. Yeah, it's like yeah. you two are there. It just like it's either it's, horrible it's, frustration or really built up sexual tension. Why not both? But yeah, but why not both? It's the enemies to lovers thing, which I only think really works if it if it's a gay romance. But that's just my <laughs> personal opinion. You have never seen When Harry Met Sally. You're right. I haven't. <laughs> okay, I need to think about that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Especially like in later books. When Draco is like really struggling with his identity, it's like it's like a little bit of a love affair with the chosen one could really help help you become a good guy. A little <laughs> bit of a Zuko arc. Spoiler alert for Avatar I don't. I don't want Draco Malfoy to have a Zuko arc. He doesn't deserve it. I, You're I right. He's don't. not nearly as strong as Zuko. No. no, he like no matter what, he always chooses the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah it's, you're right. It's it, true. It's Snape that has the Zuko arc. Thank you. And if Draco did have a Zuko arc that involved him falling in love with Harry, it would feel shitty because it's like he's only being a good guy because of Harry. He, like, doesn't know how to do it on his own. It would never have been satisfying. Right. Yeah. So Harry's, like, in the middle of this rant. Um, he He's, like, who is working for Voldemort? Like, what's going on? Like, who's doing what? He, like, kind of doesn't even hear anything that Ron and Hermione are saying to him. They're trying to, like, get in to stop him um, from, like, spiraling, 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 and he, like, kind of can't hear them. 
Hermione's crying. She's like, you will be playing right into his hands. If you go looking for Sirius Black, he will for sure kill you, which is literally what he's trying to do right now. And your mom and dad would never want you to do that. And Harry's like, well, thanks to Black, I'll never know what they wanted. And it's like, well, obviously they wouldn't want you to get murdered. Okay. Right. <laughs> he's being very dramatic. Definitely book five Harry vibes here. Mm-hmm. And then Ron's like, let's change the subject. (laughs) Yes, that's my next note is Ron is desperate for a change in conversation. But let's talk a little bit about how this is like a preview for Order of the Phoenix, Harry. Yeah, okay. I have thoughts. Okay, lay them on me. (laughs) So earlier in the chapter, Ron says Black's not worth dying for, which is a big steaming pile of foreshadowing. Well, he almost gets his soul sucked out, and then eventually he gets consumed by the veil. Spoilers for Order of the Phoenix. All spoilers, all the time. Yeah. I was like, uh, Ron? (laughs) You are more right than you think you are. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that's important to remember with, like, Harry's disposition right here is he's in one of those moods where he wants to watch the world burn. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, and this is why when why he's eventually like, yeah, we need to go to Hagrid's is because he's in one of those moods where he wants nothing more than to ruin something, whether it's yeah. a friendship, whether it's a, a person's safety, yeah, whether it's someone's day, like, yeah. and, and that's the part where, like, especially when I was younger, I I completely one hundred percent understand that impulse to be I like, I want to destroy something. I don't care if it's a friendship that I've had for years. I want to see something get fucked up. Yeah. Like, I, when I was a teenager, I used to have some pretty serious rage issues. That's when I was a rave, uh, Gryffindor pretending to be a Ravenclaw. <laughs> and so I used to, I would get in a lot of fights, especially with my like first couple boyfriends. And I would throw my phone a lot. That's like, that was like the one thing I had that like I could control and like mm-hmm. I wanted it to be destroyed and I would throw it a lot this is all part of my development so the first baby step to not breaking my phone every time I got mad was me being like okay you're still allowed to throw your phone but it has to be at grass or a better a couch right so you can still throw it as hard as you want to but it has to be something soft so I remember one time I was fighting with my ex-boyfriend Matt Hole is what we call him now and I was so mad I went to my front yard which is an was an acre large front yard when I was a kid it was so much grass mm-hmm. and I threw my phone as hard as I could and it hit a sprinkler head which is like one inch in diameter every like six feet oh. <laughs> Ooh, and it shattered boy. into a million pieces. <laughs> so, so is this like, uh, like the Motorola Razor, the flip phone, or is this mm. like? A- it was a blue Crazer, so it was like okay. a sexy, Ooh, yeah. sleek Crazer. Mm, that was my first phone, and it was so choice. I miss it. I had an LG Extrovert 2 as my first phone, which is one of those slidey phones. There was a phone called an Extrovert. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I kid you not. And I had it. Which is ironic, because Christina, as you know, I am a big-time introvert. So that's a bit ironic for me. They're like, with this phone, you too can be an extrovert. And that's the kind of ad campaign that an extrovert would make, assuming everyone wants to be an extrovert. You too. Yeah, both of you to assume I would like to talk to other people. (laughs) My first year of college, I had a friend group that I hung out with that was four of us. And me and two of the guys got along really well. And one of the guys I could not stand because he he just, he was an asshole. He was a lying asshole. But the other two guys really enjoyed him, right? Well, one day he finally had pushed everyone too far. And Mm -hmm. my buddy Aaron, I remember as he was walking up, the guy's name was Tyler. My buddy Aaron looks at me and there was this Hollywood undead song that he just sings the little, uh, like, one of the lines from, which is, Mm -hmm. Today seems like a good day to burn a bridge or two. Oh, yeah. 
Wow. So Andrew and I both really thought this was a Hollywood Undead song, I guess. Um, it's not. It's a 311 song. Day seems like a good day. Burn a bridge or two. Those bands are not similar. So sorry about that, gang. He dude, he so he said that and it was like it was like permission. It was like uh everything that you've wanted to say to this kid, but you haven't out of the like the nature of all of us being friends, go ahead and let it go. And it was like 10 minutes of me just laying. I'm not proud of this. It wasn't a good moment. But <laughs> right. man, it was like I like I get it, Harry. And if you ever if anyone ever has that feeling where you just get to really just let everything out yeah oh, it's like you God. feel so validated like especially yeah. in my adulthood it's like so rare that i'm feeling true burning ang- like anger and i feel like so self-righteous because yeah. it's either it's either like i'm right but i'm like calm about it or it's like i'm screaming and i'm probably wrong you know <laughs> right that's why I really want to try one of those like like those rooms where you can just go and like throw rage things room. against a oh, yeah. wall. A ra- There's yeah, a new one where room. we live, Andrew. There's one down the street from me. Yeah, you can actually do it yourself a whole lot cheaper though, because like <laughs> no, I, I looked it up. It's so expensive to go to those, but really? you can yeah you can just go to Goodwill and buy like a bunch of really cheap I plates. I think it's like the cleanup that people are paying for. Yeah, you, you, you it's find the cleanup. Door, you find a dumpster in a parking lot and you just like hurl <laughs> plates into it and get to hear that satisfying smash all day long. One time in college, we did a Secret Santa and my our friend Joey got um, one of our friends, yeah, like empty liquor bottles in a golf club from Goodwill. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of people who want to watch the world burn. Well, my next word is Ron. He doesn't want to watch the world burn. No. So, so Ron is like really desperate to not be spiraling about Sirius Black and Malfoy mm-hmm. anymore. So sure, she's like, yeah. why don't we go visit Hagrid? That's so pure and innocent. <laughs> and sure, yeah. Harry's like, yeah, I'm going to grill him about why he didn't tell me the secrets of all my life. <laughs> and um, and Ron's like, oh, no, that sounds stupid. Like, maybe we could play chess instead. But Harry's like, we're fucking going to Hagrid's. So they fucking go to Hagrid's. Which, if Ron was half the strategist that he should be, judging by his chess skills, what yeah. he should have done is redirected them to Dumbledore. To right. be like, you know who you know who could probably handle this rage right now? The oldest guy in the castle. He could probably take this and, like... I just think Ron, like, would never go to Dumbledore for anything. You know what I no, mean? Unless, like, the, unless the school was burning, you know? Like, him and Dumbledore don't have the relationship that him and Harry do. Well, and, so, and Dumbledore and Harry don't even have that relationship yet. It really comes yeah. in the next book. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. So, like, so like neither of them really think they can come to Dumbledore with that kind of thing. Like, yeah. they just view him as, like, the principal, basically. Yeah, it does. Whenever I read these first three books, it does always kind of surprise me how much of, like, a non-entity Dumbledore is for the most part. Right. Yeah. And then you get to later books where Harry and Dumbledore are literally on an island. Like he's friends. forcing he's forcing Dumbledore to drink poison for him just so they can Ooh. track down all the Horcruxes. We've all been there. Ooh. It's common yeah. occurrence. Uh, yeah, shots, shots, shots. <laughs> I went to college with Christina. I know what it's like when someone's forcing you to drink poison. <laughs> oh boy, howdy. Um, I'll have you remember that I barely even drank in college. I saved it all for my 
Late 20s. Yeah. When the, when the existential dread, like, really sets in, that's when you become an alcoholic. I went, I've been to one college party, and I will never do it again because I made many mistakes that I will not repeat. <laughs> Each time you go, well, I was going to say you make less mistakes, but that's not true no, at all. not at all. <laughs> you make bigger, more destructive mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Um, your boy is a horny drunk, which he found out the hard way. Oh, that can be, no, no, I get that. No, I, me too. I get it. It's led to fights between me and my husband. Let's put it that way. Um, not because of other people, but because I'm like, hey, Sean, how's it going? And he's like, all right, you simply must stop. <laughs> I'm like, isn't my sloppy drunk self just like so sexy? And he's like, it, he doesn't drink at all. And he's like, I, do, I am not. We're not on the same wavelength right now. <laughs> Speaking of big mistakes and drunk people, let's go to Hagrid's. Yay. I expected him to be drunk when we got there, but he's not. He's just no. inconsolably sad. Drunk on sorrow. Drunk on sorrow, which is a whole Wallowing different vibe from what we've been talking about. Yeah. So, like, they knock on the door. No one answers, but they can hear, quote, a low throbbing noise from inside. Which is like, I can't even like... A throbbing noise? It's like crying, I think. It's just Hagrid's like throat seizing and releasing over and over again. Uh, 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 uh. Like when you're at the end of crying and you're just like... (laughs) Either way, or like the dry heaves of crying where like you want someone to come but they're not coming. Honestly, that was like such a... Like those kinds of tears were such a staple of my like adolescence and I haven't cried that hard in like 10 years. But like when I was a kid, I would cry... I'm just like so... I'm a cancer sign for people who give a shit. Um, Like I would cry so hard when I was a kid and like I just that feeling of like you can't cry anymore but your throat is still seizing is like the worst feeling in the world but also at the same time you're like what if i just kept crying because that's how i really feel right now i'm in a haggard mood and i want to wallow but it's your body's like no you're out of water you need to hydrate well and there's also a certain point where like i know personally i've had times where i've kind of like processed through the sadness in a way but i still want to be sad it's kind of like the same thing with the rage like i really want to still be sad but like my brain's like nah dude you you got it. Like, you've processed yeah, this. We're on to the next stage here. And you're like, no, I want to curl up in the blanket more. Th- this may be the Gemini talking. I don't know how much stock y'all put into Zodiac, but. I'm going to remain quiet here. Yeah, that's a 50-50 <laughs> split with the other people on this recording right now. Yeah, I can just. It's not gradual for me. I just stop crying. I'm like, okay. We can do this now. We can move on. <laughs> oh, my God. I used to babysit this girl who would do that. And I'm like, you're going to be a serial killer when you grow up. Because for, like, a five-year-old child, that's very alarming when they just stop crying. No, and you're that's, like, that's me now. That wasn't me then. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Hermione knocks, like, very hard. Hagrid answers, he is certainly not okay. I thought he was going to be drunk and he was sad. and it's But it's like, kind of, he kind of acts the same way. Well, yeah. In a way, it's almost like, oh, God, I wish you were just drunk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He flings himself onto Harry's neck. I'm surprised Harry didn't, like, collapse onto the floor. He literally almost did. Yeah, and I was doing some, like, very rough calculations here earlier, but just thinking, he's like... He's, like, eight feet tall, right? He's, he, they say he's more than twice the height of a normal person, which, first of so all... So, at least, like, 14 or 15. Which, first 15. of all, can't, can't we just assume... Like, don't you love it there when that bitch uses unnecessarily excluding language? Right. Normal height... But, uh, Normal. I also don't know how tall a man is because I said fifteen. That's not right at all. I would all. say about six feet. So I, I'm thinking Hagrid's yeah, like twelve like to thirteen. 12. 
Twelve yeah. feet, and okay. I think it says that like he's like eleven or somewhere around there later on because Madame Maxine is like supposed to be full fifteen, like taller than he is. Yeah, right. I mean, he would crush Harry. Well, yeah. If you For think sure. about it, like a six foot tall, large man, like you know, built like Hagrid, would easily right. be two hundred sixty to three hundred pounds. I'm 5'9", and I'm a big girl, and when my six-foot-tall dude friends put their weight on me, it's kind of too much, and I've fallen down before. My roommate is 6'5", 260 pounds. If he's trying to collapse on me, I'm just on the ground. We're both going down. Yeah, you're the cushion at that point. And we're not even getting into the fact that giants would likely have, like, stronger muscle fibers, which means denser muscles, so it would actually even be more weight than that. Like, this would... My loose guess is Hagrid might weigh close to, like, 700 pounds. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Like, six to 700 pounds on a... Like on a light day, let alone with the, all the giant clothing that he wears. That, <laughs> right. Yeah, like, well, and it's winter time. And it's like this is a fuck ton of weight, and Harry is supposed to be like, eh, if he if he did stay up, that is like wild magic right there. That is some right. part of his system being like, put it in the legs, boys. We need to stay up. <laughs> it's it's the piece of Voldemort's soul doing a heavy lift there. <laughs> Harry, you must never skip leg day. <laughs> Harry, you must clench your core when you do lifts. <laughs> Lift with your legs. <laughs> For I have none. If your back begins to bend, it will surely fall. <laughs> so something else we haven't talked about yet is that, like, I get that Hagrid's really upset, but this is also um, a patently unacceptable student-teacher yes. interaction yeah. to just collapse in sorrow on your small, tiny, yeah. also traumatized student. Yeah. It, it especially, like, don't get me wrong, I'm on Buckbeak's side here, but especially considering the whole situation at large... Yeah. Like, it would totally not be okay for the teacher to be like, they they might punish the hippogriff that hurt the other kid in that class. Yeah. Really? Okay, so r- the crazy part about this scene is that Hagrid should know that Harry's having a hard time and it's not right. Harry's responsibility to bear the emotional burden of what Hagrid's going through. But the crazy thing is that this is actually exactly what Harry needs right now. It's like a total diversion. Yeah. I mean, like, Ron tried... To do that with like, hey, let's talk about something else, or hey, He's let's go play chess. <laughs> but I'm gonna say something here, and I really hope people don't hate me when I do. But uh, oh love it when you start stuff that way. Did anyone else get kind of like Joe Exotic vibes from Hagrid in this scene? The way that he approaches I'm, these I'm never crazy, going to financially recover from this. I'm never going to financially recover from <laughs> Just the way he fucking, like, relates to these crazy ads. Like, we, yeah. right, we don't have any proof that Hagrid knew Buckbeak longer than about six months. Like, there was no mention right. of any hippogriffs or anything before Hagrid being here. It's possible yeah. they were. But for all we know, this is a hippogriff that Hagrid met, like... About six months ago, and now he is, like, blubbering on top of a child because the thing that he loves that is a dangerous animal hurt a child much in the way that a dangerous animal might. Okay, yeah, Yeah, I get it. I like that correlation. Yeah, but Hagrid is just more wholesome than Joe Exotic, let's be real. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's not not the the dark aspects of Joe Exotic, but it's the, the, like completely understating the danger of the situation that it just it just when it comes to animals yeah exactly exactly oh yeah for sure 
Like, I don't think Hagrid would ever run for governor of Oklahoma. I don't think he would ever, like, convince a straight man to marry him. Like, I don't think these are things that Hagrid would do. I don't think he would do meth. But I do think, like, his, (laughs) his view on animals is very much in line with Joe Exotic. Yeah, I, totally. I feel like he'd be more of a Jeff Corwin than a Joe Exotic. Who's that? He was... Oh God, I know that the, name. The show he... He was the host of a, like, Crap Brothers style show on the Going Disney Channel. Going Wild with Jeff Corwin. That's it. I have Google right at my fingertips. <laughs> Thank you, Christina. You're so welcome. So Hagrid shares a letter from the school governors. The governors. The governors. Who we never meet, really. Well, we meet one Except- of them. Lucius Malfoy, but he's not on the board anymore. Yeah. Um, So they sent him a letter that someone's reading aloud. I I don't remember who. But um, they absolve Hagrid from guilt uh, in the whole Buckbeat debacle, which is awesome. Um, Yeah. They're they're like, hell yeah, way to go. But they ask him to bring Buckbeak in for a hearing on for 20 and nice. (laughs) Um, So a couple questions. Why... Are they asking him to bring a like a purportedly <laughs> violent hippogriff to like a like a government building? Because the wizarding governing body <laughs> is fucked up beyond all recognition. <laughs> wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. We we uh I, I'm sorry, I gotta stop you there because we have a tradition <laughs> on this podcast and you just blew right over it. The truth <laughs> is it's because the wizarding governing body is all about the drama. That is also true. I think those are both valid points. <laughs> but it, you do raise a good point, because, like, presumably this would be in the Ministry of Magic, right? It's the Committee yeah. for the Disposal of Dangerous Creatures. So like, that's... you got to bring a hippogriff to the middle of London? Right. Yeah, it's part of the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures, which is a part of the Department of the Ministry of Magic. I would assume that their offices aren't located in the Ministry of Magic. Like, hopefully they have, like, some more rural offices where they can do yeah. some beast shit. They, I mean, the real answer is they want you to bring the creature with you because if they sentence it to death, they're, they want the ability to do it right there. Like, if it's a dangerous right. enough creature, they're not going to want oh. to risk you letting it loose. Yeah. Yeah, that that tracks. That tracks, and it's also very morbid. It is very morbid. Here's a more cheerful question, and I don't think there's a good answer for it, but I just want to ask it now. I'm kind of just realizing now, why the fuck does J.K. Mort capitalize so much shit that does not need to be capitalized? It's driving me crazy. Like the word I, hippogriff, I think... for example. Because it's a proper hippogriff. It's- <laughs> <laughs> that hippogriff has a name. <laughs> And their name is Buckbeak. That's, well, that's the thing is, you capitalize Buckbeak, but there's no need to capitalize Hippogriff. That's like capitalizing the word horse. It's just that she thinks the things she makes up are special. They are. Yeah, They're I very mean, special. There's no good answer. That bitch made you special, and she loves you very much. Unless you're trans. <laughs> uh, just in case I haven't made it clear. Uh, Me too. That's how I feel about that. Me too. Me too. I, you know, honestly, with with all the good stuff they've been giving us, I really start. I'm starting to think we need to start a petition to have Mott's take on the legacy of writing all future canon for Harry Potter. Oh my because god! That bitch can't be trusted to do it. I, I trust like Mott's. Oh my god! I trust Mott's one hundred and ten percent. Mott's, this is a text. Wait, this is a test. I said it's a text. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's a test. I mean, but it's also not a test because we know you're going to listen to it. So hi, Mott's. Yeah. Hi, Mott's. Right. Hi, Mott's. <laughs> There's a noise in the hut, and all the trio then realizes that Buckbeak 
It's coming from inside the house. It's <laughs> Bugbeak is literally in the tiny little hut, which like, first of all, how did they not know? It's like a horse. How did they not notice it before? And also it's like chomping on something that's oozing blood all over the floor. And if anyone's ever watched a dog really go to town on a bone, that's gross enough on its own. Imagine if it was like oozing blood. Blood and viscera. <laughs> right. And like... Viscera! I'm sure you've heard the sound of a dog like... Licking itself in the middle of the night. Right. (laughs) And like, if it gets something stuck in its throat, it definitely draws attention, (laughs) which I'm guessing is what happened here. Uh, I hate everything about this. Wait, don't, don't birds, because Buckbeak has a, has a beak. So I'm assuming. Yes. Don't you ask me right now if Buckbeak yarps or poops, because I don't want to get into that. (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure if it, if Buckbeak has a beak, doesn't it have to like swallow pieces and then it can't chew. There is no like. Canines behind the beak. Okay, not to be gross, but like he surely also has a butthole because he's like he does have a butthole. He's a horse on that. He's partially horse. Yeah, but I think it's like a cloaca. I think everything (laughs) comes out of there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, Buckbeak would have to swallow shit like whole. Like he wouldn't chew food. He would just like you're right. I hate it. And like he would do that move where like he picks it and then he like leans his head up to help him swallow. And that, that means Buckbeak also has to swallow rocks in order to help him break down food. Oh my god, wait. I need a diagram. Hippogriff anatomy. It, it's not our fault, though, Christina. I mean, you're bound to get some really gross descriptions whenever you're talking about a diet so foul. Right. Oh, God. Andrew. <laughs> yes! Moving on. <sighs> As always, a a conversation killer. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Harry decides that now's maybe not the right time to berate Hagrid about not telling him about Sirius Black, which, like, good for you, Harry. Way to read the room. I'm proud of you. (laughs) A+. Um, Instead, Harry's like, don't even worry. We'll be witnesses in Buckbeak's defense because we were there and we know it was Malfoy's fault. And then Hermione's like, Oh, I've read something about this once. Surprise, surprise. And then, almost like in a sitcom, everyone turns to Ron to see what he has to offer. And Ron's like, I'll make some tea. (laughs) Which, God bless him. He says, quote, It's what my mom does whenever someone's upset. He doesn't know what to do. Molly Weasley is so much a part of her children. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. I love Ron so much. I hate to bring up something really sad, like, right before we're about to end, but the part about it that the scene that really, like, hits me the most is that the way Hagrid responds to them is clear that he is used to facing such horrible prejudice and, like, horrible, like, non-help from anyone. He is not used to any assistance from anyone but Dumbledore, and it's likely because of the fact that he is half-giant. Like, he is an oppressed population who has to constantly feel that everyone is against him because they are. They straight up are. Yeah. And like he perfectly embodies someone who is reacting to for the first time having people that really have no reason to help him and his mind would not want to, to them being yeah. like, we're here for you, bro. Like it's sad, yeah. but it's beautiful. Like, Well, it's also really not good for their, anyone's mental health because he needs no. support that's not children. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Yeah, Hagrid's at a pretty low point right now. He starts talking about how he's not doing well in general because of the Buckbeak thing. He knows no one likes his classes. Uh, the trio insists that they do, which, like, good for them. That's the <laughs> yeah. kind of thing, that's like a friend thing, is you, you keep lying yeah. until you die. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're never, yeah, you're never gonna there. let it go. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, yeah, I'll definitely <sighs> go to your um, concert at this random restaurant that I've never been to before. <laughs> What's that, a $20 cover and you don't get any of it? I'm still there for you. To me, this is more like your friend has like a really, really stupid ass tattoo, but they like already have it on their body and you're like, no, yeah. like it's beautiful because it's like, what am I going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> So, Hagrid's having a bad time. So, to try to... Ron's doing the most in this chapter to be a good friend. Ron is like, Hagrid, let's cheer you up. How are the flubberworms? <laughs> Dead. <laughs> They've died from eating too much lettuce. And if this... If this isn't the exact kind of shit that happens to you when you're having a really bad day, the shit you didn't even care about suddenly goes wrong. And you're like, well, yep, I guess yep. I did care about it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And so then Hagrid also, like, is talking about the Dementors a little bit for why he's not feeling quite right. He's really yeah. sharing a lot about mental health in this. So, like, I, I respect yeah, that. Yeah, like, props to Hagrid for being open about his <laughs> mental condition. He just maybe needs an adult friend. Yeah, I was going to say, with. a better audience would be preferred. Don't yeah, do it with the children. Yeah, but good for him. I mean, he's got Dumbledore, but Dumbledore's, like, always busy doing whatever yeah, Dumbledore does. Dumbledore shit. Dumbledore's busy being Dumbledore! <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk right now, I'm doing Dumbledore shit. <laughs> Sorry, I've got to select the destinies for five of my children without them knowing it. This is... Turns out Dumbledore does that for, like, all of his students, not just Harry. Like, there, there are five, ten, and fifteen-year plans in effect for the entire wizarding populace that goes through Hogwarts. <laughs> Like, I imagine Dumbledore, like, whisking files out of a magical filing cabinet. Like, okay, let's take a look at Colin Creevy's progress today. <laughs> McGonagall gets into the office, like, on her first day as the headmistress and just has this horror as she discovers file after file after file where Dumbledore has been meddling with the lives of every Hogwarts student <laughs> for the last 50 years. I'm imagining like, the filing cabinets in Bruce Almighty where you, like, yeah. they open and it just goes on forever and ever and ever. Yes. Totally. So Hagrid's talking about the Dementors. The kids ask him about his time in Azkaban, which he's never really talked about before. Mm -hmm. Quote, thought I was going mad after only two months there, which really kind of drives home the point that Sirius Black is, if nothing else, like extraordinary for the, the way that he was able to stay sane while he was in Azkaban. Well, it's, sure. it's interesting, too, because Sirius later on will say that the reason he was able to stay sane is because he knew he was innocent. But Hagrid knew he was innocent, too. Yeah, but it's also because he could turn into a dog. <laughs> Which dogs are, like, so happy. Yeah. Well, Hagrid also has this, like you were saying, Andrew, like this. Because he is part of a marginalized population, he has that anxiety on top of just the true. Dementors, which are just augmenting everything. That's true, so, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So the very last part um, of this section that we're going to read today is Hagrid talking about how he wishes he could let Buckbeak go, but you can't really explain to a hippogriff that it needs to like hide from the law. And he's also, frankly, just completely terrified of going back to Azkaban. And that also serves as kind of a mirror for Sirius Black's motivations here. Yeah. Yeah. The way that we see it now, you know, if we don't know the rest of the series, it's like he must be so desperate not to go back. Because he's a bad guy, I guess that doesn't really change if he's a good guy. Either way, everyone's desperate to not be there. Except for, like, yeah. honestly, 
Bellatrix Lestrange seems to have only grown stronger when she <laughs> goes Bellatrix to Lestrange is a whole different can of worms. Yeah, you're right about that. Cool, so that's the end of the chapter. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that y'all would like to mention at this time? Yeah, the part of the story where they all go to therapy and get the help that they need. Oh, wait, no, that never happens. My bad. That's a headcanon. My bad. See, Andrew, in, that's in the 19 years <laughs> after Deathly Hollows. Yes, that's all, all was well implies. Harry Potter and right. finding a therapist. There we go. <laughs> um, anything else, gang? I think we've gone over all the things that I had. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, think I got it all out. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, it was pretty cool to talk with you guys about, like, both being in the pits of rage and being in the pits of sorrow in this same chapter. I mean, it's cool, you're making, like, a face, but, like, I I think it's interesting to explore these emotions with Harry, because so far, he hasn't done a lot of feeling feelings, you know, and so it's, it's, like, definitely, he is prone to very self-righteous rage I, that's yes. the whole plot of book five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harry Potter and the temptation of self-righteous rage. Harry Potter and the I'm very special and I deserve to be mad. Yes. To both of those yeah, things. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> I'm the chosen one and I'm going to be fucking mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I am the chosen one. But I am the chosen <laughs> Are y'all ready to move on to plugs? Yeah. Let's plug it up, baby. No, I don't. You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> I don't. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> Let, let's get a plug in. Okay, for oh, that, boy. for that, you can do your plug first. And hey, just gang, help me remember to do my plug. Um, because last week I forgot. So <laughs> I saw that tweet and I was like, oh no, poor Christina. <laughs> I just forgot. You know what? We had one extra guest more than we usually do. So I was like, four plugs. That's it. That's the show. Your brain just shut off after that. <laughs> So like I was talking about earlier, uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug H. John Benjamin Has a Van. It is a fantastic older TV show. I say older. It's like, God, it might actually be 10 years ago. It's pre-Archer. So it's pre-Archer, okay. pre-Bob's oh, okay. Burgers. Like, it's before all of that. And it was H. John Benjamin on Comedy Central playing a, like, very low-level reporter who just travels around in his van and covers really bad news stories. And (laughs) it's been a long time since I've watched it, so I am going to go back and rewatch it and hopefully not have to record another plug for Christine if it turns out that it did not age well. But um, if you're hearing this, then it aged real well, and it's really wacky and fun, like I remember, and not horrible in those ways that we only really are noticing now. Hell yeah. Yeah. Great. What about you, Ethan? I would like to plug this week. There's a an animated show on Disney Plus. My girlfriend and I've been binging called The Owl House. Yeah, it's really amazing. It's this really cool fantasy world. Kind of combines like gravity. If Gravity Falls and Lord of the Rings had a baby, this would be it. <gasps> Shut up! Those are yeah. two of my Don't favorite Don't make promises you can't keep. Oh my god! Okay, well I'm gonna go watch that right now. <laughs> yeah, it's on Disney Plus right now. It's great. Uh, one of the leads is played by the woman who was Potch's wife in The Emperor's New Groove. <gasps> So if she sounds familiar, that's why. <laughs> You're like saying so many of my favorite things right now. I am the host of True Stories of a Tryhard, as I mentioned at the top of the episode. You can find that wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your your feed. I talk mental health, try to make it more normal. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at ethan.t.hulen, that's H-U-L-E-N. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ETPhoneHome, those zeros, the E's are threes. <laughs> because ET Phone Home was already taken, uh, <laughs> apparently. And then you can find my podcast on those same socials at True Stories Pod. 
So yeah, that's me. Hell yeah. I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at your girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at Christina Khan. And this week I'm going to plug. It's always a split second decision in this moment. Um, I'm going to plug. Oh, shit. Wait, I had something and then it kind of like went away. Bob's Burgers. No. Well, actually, Andrew, you know what? I don't think I've ever plugged that on this show have. before. I really because, don't think you have. Yeah, it's such a given in my life. That I don't ever really think about it. Bob's Burgers is my number one favorite TV show in the history of forever. It's such a beautiful, pure show. It's like an adult level humor show that is totally acceptable for children, for like older children. And it's about a family that loves each other no matter what. It's like the opposite of Family Guy where everyone fucking hates each other and is a nightmare. (laughs) So if you want a really feel good cartoon i could not recommend bob's burgers anymore and thank you so much andrew for encouraging me to plug that because it's my favorite tv show ever it's my comfort show when i'm sick when i'm like hungover i just like put it on i'm glad you could finally share your truth with us something (laughs) i didn't know about christina wow i love bob's burgers and actually they're still releasing new episodes and um season 11 is in progress and it went on hiatus for christmas and it just rebooted this very last sunday so definitely go check it out if you want me to recommend a starter episode for you, I will. Listeners, this is also where you need to know that if you go back, I promise you, without even really thinking about it, I promise you that Tina has put at least one Bob's Burgers reference in every episode. You may not be able to catch it the first time you listen, but if you really pay attention, it's got to be there. There's no way she talked for as long as these episodes are without using a Bob's Burgers reference. I've definitely used clips from the show before, but 95% of my sense of humor is just stealing Bob's Burgers jokes also. Well, it looks like I need to watch Bob's Burgers so I can understand Christina as a person. Someone to love ya. Someone who cares. <laughs> I have been singing that recently because it's Valentine's Day. Okay. Well, Ethan, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a fun episode. It has. I'm glad I could come. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely check out Ethan's podcast, True Stories of a Try Hard. I couldn't recommend it anymore. And I hope you'll come back on for a chapter of Goblet of Fire. I would be more than happy to. Yes. We're going to need some help to get through that one. It's a big boy. It's a long, long book. (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, get out of your head, Harry. You're thinking too much. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. 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 The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod or shoot us an email at RestrictedSectionPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. Oh, bother. I'm so stuffed with stuff. I'm dummy thick. And the clap of my ass cheeks alerted the bees. (laughs) 